question is this. Who are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Turn to the book of Daniel, uh, and we will get an introduction to these men in a little bit. We'll get familiar with them. But for tonight, we're going to set our focus on one man in particular, and that is Daniel. Um, so Daniel chapter 1. If you need a Bible, anyone need a Bible? Because we have Bibles that we can get you, and you can take it home. It'll be your very own. Um, anybody need a Bible? Do I see any hands? We have we have a hand in the back. Could, thank you, Kim. Uh, any more? Guy, why don't you grab three so the little guys can have one too. Anyone else? We're grabbing three. We might as well grab more in case you haven't picked up on it yet. We're just very informal here. This is just family. We come together as brothers and sisters without pretense, without masks or facades. We just come with one purpose, and that's to be together as we corporately lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an awesome thing? Amen. So the title of my sermon tonight is Fearless. Fearless. And we're going to study the book of Daniel. I'd like you guys to study along with me. We're going to stay on Daniel for the next couple of weeks. Daniel chapters 1 through 6 are just awesome. They're, I mean, they're just powerful. They're impacting. They're inspiring. When you read these, honestly, they're, they're probably some of the most inspiring chapters in the Bible. That's 1 through 6. Now, Daniel 7 through 12 are are intriguing. But they're also kind of confusing because uh, Daniel 7 through 12 is Daniel's prophetic vision of the end times. Uh, and so it's a, Daniel's vision of this, Daniel's vision of that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to stick on that first half. So Daniel 1 through 6. But uh, I let you guys know because I want you guys to study along with me. As we study, guess what God does? Guess what he wants to do? As we are spending time in his word. Anybody have just an off-the-wall guess? Speak to us. Show us stuff. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. He wants to speak to us. This is his word. He wants to show us stuff. So can we be doing that? Can we be studying Daniel chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6? Now, you can study the others. Just, um, I will be very limited in the answers. You can come with so there's stuff that... God is hidden in his scriptures and is revealing. He just hadn't revealed them all to me yet. So, and that's all right. Anyone else say, yeah, I don't have everything from Daniel 7 through 12. Read it and then next week you'll know what I'm talking about. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity to come here tonight and to worship you together. To set things aside. To be encouraged in worship. Lord, I thank you for worship tonight. And just the reassurance that you have a plan for us. You have a plan for us. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. So Lord, with hope in our hearts right now. We look to you and to hear from you pertaining to that plan that you have for us, Lord. So we set our eyes on Jesus Christ, 
Holy Spirit, right now is an act of my will. I yield to you. And I say, have your way. Do that awesome thing you do where you just personalize the words that are coming forth and you, and you let it hit our hearts. So Lord, speak to us. We're listening. Right now we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I have, I have a couple prayer requests. I have a couple goals in mind tonight with, with the sharing of this passage. And one of them is that our hearts will be stirred up and that a hunger would be stirred in our hearts for spending time with Him and His Word. We're going we're gonna to read Daniel chapter 1 tonight and then we're going to come back and, and kind of take it chunk by chunk. And it's awesome. And there's so much contained in this one chapter. So much more than just the words on the page. But the so much more part comes not just by flying through uh, a work of literature, but by spending time in His Word saying, Lord, you have 100% of my time right now. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? So number one, my prayer has been, let us be stirred. Let the hunger to spend time in His Word be stirred. And number two, let us become fearless followers of Jesus Christ. Daniel chapter 1, reading in the New Living Translation. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it with his armies. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah. When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took with him some of the sacred objects from the temple of God and placed them in the treasure house of his God in the land of Babylonia. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, who was in charge of the palace officials. I should go back. I was reading a little slower. Yeah, that's, that's a big chunk to skip through. To bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal families and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. All right, I'm reading from here. You guys can follow along with there because i got to read at my own pace. What verse are we on? Four. All right. Uh, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are the names I asked about earlier, were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, this is the chief of staff, 
I am afraid of my Lord the King, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the King will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant, who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and more nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual appetite for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave the special gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. So we we read that. And, you know, the first thing we get is is a wonderful Bible story. And if we just read that, that's that's all we get. But in this passage, God has so much more for us. I want to kind of just take it chunk at a time and just stop and kind of share. And, And just to kind of give insight and, you know, when I'm preparing a message, I'm just listening to God. I'm just spending time with God. I'm just spending time alone with Him and I'm listening. I ask Him what He wants to share and He lets me know. He makes His Word come alive. Why? So that I can share it with you. Why? So that you can share it with your family. So they can share it with their classmates and neighbors. And, and, you know, it's contagious. So we're just going to kind of go through this. So if we can pull up, you know, uh, verse 1. And I want to point something out in... In verse 1 and 2, okay, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, so King Jehoiakim, Judah, good guy. King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, bad guy. Okay? Boo. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can boo. You're not booing me, you're booing Babylon. Okay, that's good. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it with his armies. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took with him some of the sacred objects from the temple of God and placed them in the treasure house of his God in the land of Babylonia. First thing I want to point out is God gave victory to the enemy. The good guys lost scene one. Okay, and there's always more scenes than scene one. I just want to go ahead and... There's always more scenes. In the midst of defeat, God always has victory down the line. But we've got to set our eyes on Him because there's things He wants to accomplish in the midst 
of death and defeat and loss. So the first thing I want to point out is the good guy doesn't always win. We as Christians, we're not guaranteed just this easy walk. We're just guaranteed we don't do it alone. We set our eyes on him and we trust him. Lord, how can I trust you because we lost? Well, because it's not about the circumstances. We don't look at the circumstances. We look at Jesus. So verses 1 and 2 are powerful. When we're spending time in his word, look for things like that. Did I read that right? Did the Lord really let the bad guys win? Yes, he did. All right. Verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, who was in Ashpenaz. Isn't that a cool name? Ashpenaz. I, every time I read that, I'm like, that's cool. You know, I'm not saying to name your child Ashpenaz. But I'm just saying, Ashpenaz could really easily be like, a, you know, man, that guy's so Ashpenaz. You know, just, it's now an adjective for cool. I don't know. So Ashpenaz, who was in charge of the palace officials, you know, Ashpenaz could be like a Babylonian, like a action show. I mean, Ashpenaz, chief efficient. You know, I don't know. I just, Okay. So Ashpenaz, who was in charge of the palace officials, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good sense and have the poise needed to serve in the royal palace. Teach these young men the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily ration of the best food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for a three-year period and then some of them would be made his advisors in the royal court. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. So they're good guys. The chief official renamed them with these Babylonian names. So Azpenaz named them. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. So once again, we're, we're reading, we're studying his word. This right here, this, this is the heart of the message right here. What's going on? You know, what's taking place right now? What are we reading? What's taking place? The conquering king, Nebuchadnezzar. It's kind of built in like a little Hitler's youth. He's, he's wanting to raise up. He's wanting there to be integration. He's wanting there to be a nice integration of Babylon and Judah. He's wanting to merge not really. He's wanting Babylon to consume Judah. So he's picking the best of the best, the most talented, the most influential, the best looking, the most strapping, the smartest, the most talented. Picking them to serve a three-year point of training so then they can, he can pick the best of the best from those that he's picked. So he's just, he's choosing the best of the best based on what? based on all the important things. Good looks, 
physique, talent. When we spend time in His Word, especially this this passage, we got to look beyond just the words. What's taking place here? The enemy is wanting to take our individuality and to just make us all a bunch of pretty talent. You know, want us to blend in with this false sense of culture that has been established. This is the aspiration. This is the best of the best. To be the best of the best, you've got to be this, 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 and this. Paying no heed to the things that we value. Jesus Christ. Our faith in Him. So through these passages, you know, we see that taking place. Daniel knows he's smart. Daniel knows he's good looking. He looks at Mishael and goes, eh, he's good looking too. All these guys are good looking. Okay. I see what's taking place here. Now they're given a new name. Hey, hey, I want to call you Belshazzar. Isn't that a cool name, Daniel? Belshazzar. And you, you know, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. I'll give you a new name. A new identity. You're going to be the best of the best. I got a question for you. In, in this verse right here, verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief official for permission to eat other things instead. Question. What, what did God command Daniel to do here? What did God command Daniel to do? God didn't command Daniel to do nothing. Daniel decided. God didn't command Daniel to to eat only vegetables. Daniel recognized what was happening. They're stripping me of my identity. They're stripping me of all these things. And you know what? I might not be able to affect what they call me, but I can affect what goes into me and I can affect what I allow the Lord to come out of me. So Daniel decided, I will affect what comes into my mind, what comes into my heart, what comes into my spirit, and what comes into my body. I will decide that. That will not be stripped of me. Friends, I don't care what the world, what garbage they throw at us, they cannot force us to take that in to our spirit, into our minds, into our hearts, into our homes. We can decide. God didn't command him to do anything. He did it because he has a relationship with God. He did it because of discernment. He looked around and saw everything. Okay, we lost the battle. Okay, now all of a sudden, now they want to be my buddy. Now all of a sudden they they want to promote me and they want me to be part. They want to give me the best food and great wine. This isn't a message about not having great food and wine. This is a message about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and realizing they're trying to get me to sell out, to compromise, to surrender who I am. Who who was Daniel? He was from the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe that Jesus came from. 
He was called of God. In reading this passage, I wonder, would I have lacked discernment and been like, praise God, this is just the favor of God. I'll have two steaks and the lobster and the Shiraz, please. Would I, would I have lacked discernment and realized what was going on? I don't know. But the Lord puts this type of passage in His Bible so that we can look and see. We've got to be alert and prayerful. We've got to know His heart. As we read these passages, we will see the favor of God. Before we get out of this chapter, we'll see the favor of God. The favor of God is upon them. But we've got to keep Christ in the center of our lives. So Daniel decided. Now, this is why I asked earlier, you know, who were the other lads? Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And here's, here's my take on who they were. They were phenomenal followers who became great leaders. But see, Daniel was given a name Belshazzar. And we don't know Daniel as Belshazzar. We know Daniel as Daniel. But we don't know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We, we, that's how we know them. If I would have said, who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You all would have known, and you would have probably mentioned the fiery furnace. Why? Why do I think Daniel's known as Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are known by their Babylonian name? I think God honored Daniel in the fact that he decided, and he led. And we don't see that he asked his homeboys permission to go with the all-broccoli diet. We don't see that. We don't see that he's like, hey, are you guys okay passing up on the filet mignon and the caps off? Um, are you okay with that? I'm thinking strictly cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. And But he led. He led. Why? Because he had their back. He had their back. He got a, a, a glimpse of what the enemy was trying to do and you don't have to ask your brother's permission to have his back. I got your back. You see a snake, you know, come through my front door. You don't have to ask my permission to come in and kill the snake. You you bust through whatever your whatever your tool of annihilation is and you annihilate the snake. And that's what we're supposed to have with each other. I think that God honored Daniel in this way. Just my thought. Also, I thought about this. What, why, what's another reason to to turn down the, the the king's food, the finest food? Why did he not want to defile himself with that? Because people he loved and cared for and respected were just defeated and killed 
And, and there's still pain in the midst of a loss in battle. There's still pain. The enemy wants to celebrate, but we don't have to be a part of that celebration. Don't include me in your celebration. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that the world throws our way that they just want us to celebrate with. To just jump right in stupidly. Hey, we're having a party. Come on in. We've got to be prayerful and thoughtful and seek our Lord. Have His heart. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Verse 8. He asked the chief of staff, Ashpenaz, for permission not to eat these acceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But Ashpenaz responded, I'm afraid of the Lord my king. We are called to be fearless. We are called to be fearless. We do not have to fear man. We don't have to fear their approval. We don't have to fear their... We're called to be fearless when it comes to man. Now, you you know me. I am like Mr. Relationship. I, I love being in relationship with people. I do. But it ain't any of you in this room that I want to please above pleasing my God. There's not a person in this world I want to please above pleasing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I serve my King. I'm afraid of the Lord, my King, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the King will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. I I love prayer. I love worship. I love spending time in his word. But none of these things take the place of Jesus. Of spending time with Jesus. Of being with Him. There's times I think as as a church, as Christians, we are so fear-stricken that we don't do a darn thing without praying about it. And that is garbage. And it's not biblical. When I know the heart of my Father, I can respond based on His heart. I don't have to pray if I'm supposed to talk to this person about Jesus. Oh man, they're hurting their need. Oh my God. Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? Lord, that hurting the needful person, what do you want me to do? So I seek you and I do absolutely nothing except I'll sit on my butt for a while and I seek you before I know what to, you know what I'm saying? 
we, we have to have his heart. And if, if we have his heart, we respond. There's someone that's hurting and needing. Hey, can I pray with you? I, I respond to the opportunity that my father's put in front of me. Daniel knew his God. He knew his Lord. He knew God had his back. Hey, why don't you do this? Test us in 10 days. Test us. And, and see, how, see how we do. And you know what? If, if we're not just as fit, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and eat your food. But, but just give us a 10-day test, you know. And luckily, Daniel did have favor with Ashpenaz said, you bet, you got it. I'll do it. 10 days. Now, at that point, I guarantee Daniel went and prayed. At that point, he's like, all right, Lord, I threw, the, I threw down the gauntlet, so now you've got to have my back. You know, but I think Daniel already knew that. He already knew that. He wasn't afraid to place his trust in God and to step out in faith. Church, we've got to be fearless. Our God has our back. You know, we don't got to be perfect. We have to be fearless. And make some mistakes. That's all right. Let God use them. Let them grow us from the mistakes. We're not called to be perfect. Just to trust in the one who is. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. So check this out. Daniel's fearless. Ashpenaz, not so much. He fears beheading. That's a valid fear. It's a valid fear. Beheading is, is valid. But apparently fearlessness is contagious. Because Ashpenaz said, I'll continue to feed you the vegetables. He tossed his fear. He saw the faith of these men and his fear of being beheaded all of a sudden was insignificant. And he decides to go against the command of his king, the beheader, the furnace tosser, the lion den thrower. I mean, when we place our trust in the Lord and we live what we say we believe, when we get out there and we live it, we don't just talk about it, we live it. It is contagious. Our fearlessness is contagious. You know what? As long as I'm pleasing my Lord, I'm all right. I'm good. Now I, I want to. I want to be in relationship, but not at the expense, you know, of doing what you want or selling out. My eyes are set on Jesus Christ. You guys, as we read this, we can't fly through this. Man, I've gone through 16 verses, and all of this is there. If we study his word instead of just read it. All of this is there. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Let's stop right there. God gave them increased knowledge and wisdom. You know what's funny? If we back up, we see that that's what Nebuchadnezzar's goal was. I want men who can increase in knowledge and wisdom. So give me the good-looking ones. You know, give me the strapping, strong leaders. Because, you know, everyone knows a leader's got to be 6'4", blonde hair. You know, got to be able to, you know, shake his hair. So, yeah, nothing against 6'4", blondes, okay? You know. What Nebuchadnezzar actually wanted... In, in a leader, God placed 
within these men so they could be leaders. We see that it was a three-year training period, right? We see that at the end of three years, and it's all there, you can, you can come back and read it. At the end of three years, royal assignment, baby. God wanted these four men of Judah as a part of this leadership team. So he increased their knowledge and their learning. He wanted them in this influential position. He wanted them there. He wanted them in a space where they could be seen, where they could influence, where they could take a stand. You see, if I take a stand for Christ and I do it in front of one or two people, that's awesome. Praise God. But if I can take a stand and do it in front of thousands, I'll take door number two. I want God to be glorified. I want God to be glorified, to be seen. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. This message is not one that's about segregation, us and them. It's not. It's so that we can be effective in this world and in the places of influence God has given us. We better have our Father's heart. We better desire His approval and affection above that of men. The enemy wants... There's so many lies. So much garbage he throws at us. We don't have to all look the same, sound the same, act the same, smell the same. I mean, God wants us to be unique. He he, he wants us to, to maintain our individuality. What does the enemy want? He wants to lie to us and say, if you're different, you're a freak. If you're different, you are created wonderfully and uniquely by God. We're all different. I'm the pastor. You know, I'm the one that gets to stand up here and preach. Okay, which one of you looks, sounds, and acts most like me? It's not a one of you. Why? Because I'm unique. Praise God. So why would we... And you celebrate the fact that I'm unique. I'm a little weird. You dig it? It's, uh, you know, it's all right. Because I point you to Jesus. So why would we look in the mirror? Do we buy into the enemy the enemy's lies and we despise our uniqueness when we're, when we're... Why do we buy into that garbage? We only buy in if we desire the world's affection and the world's attention and the world's approval more than we do God's. That's a lie. That is a lie.
unbelievable chapter, the book of or, or book, the book of Daniel. Chapter, chapter one. It made it real easy to know what to preach tonight. Man, I could have easily made this like a really long service and preached chapters one and two. Or one, two, and three. Or one through six. So what's, what's the Lord want to do? What, what's his heart for tonight? You guys, he, he wants to bring this word to life to us where it's not just a good story, but where that is impacted and we go, Lord, let me be like this, Lord God. See, his favor is upon us, but we still walk in wisdom, his wisdom. And we get to decide what we allow to come in. What we let in. And we sing that in worship tonight. Open up your heart and let me in. Open up your heart and let me in. We get to decide. There's a lot of garbage out there that I think that the enemy wants us to buy into. The enemy wants us to surrender our individuality in order to buy into an ungodly, false, lying standard. a false standard. It's a lie. We don't have to buy in. We don't have to believe it. He wants us to live with a fear of man. What is fear of man? What is what is fear of man? Not not I'm afraid I'm going to go out here and get jumped by a guy in, you know, bigger than me with a club. That, Fear of man is is as simple as I just want acceptance. I, I just I just want acceptance. I just want approval. I just want to be told that I have value, and I need to hear that from men. It doesn't sound so bad, right? It, it doesn't sound so bad when we phrase it like that. But guess what? God wants you to hear that you're handsome and you're beautiful and you're smart and you're talented and you're valuable and you're precious and you're needed. He wants us to hear all these things from Him, first and foremost. All of it's true. All of it's true. All that He wants to say about us is true. And we don't have to get that From men. If we're going to God, you guys, I, I promise you that that'll come in its various forms because His favor is upon us. But we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be given unto us. What are all these things? So many blessings. But our heart has to be after the Lord first. And that can't come through Religion. It, it, it's impossible to come through religion. Because in religion, there's no affection. It has to come through relationship. I love him. I love him. 
And, and when I get filled up with his love, you know what it's so easy to do? To love you. Oh my gosh. Effortless. Because I'm so full of his love. And I just get to share it. What does God want? Based on our affection for him, our knowing of his heart, our love for him, he wants us to decide. He wants us to decide. See, he gave us free will. He could have forced us all to follow Jesus. He could have said, Jesus is the only way. So right now, you're forced. But he gave us free will. He wants us to decide. You decide to love me? That means something. I force you to love me? That means nothing. Right? God wants our affection. He wants us fearless. Fearless. You know what casts out fear? You know what drives out fear? You know what kicks the tar out of fear according to the Bible? Perfect love. And perfect love only comes from one place. And that's from our Father. Demonstrated in the work of Jesus Christ. Empowering our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit.